I said you mess with the bull, you get the horns because it's a special day. It's Shabbat Parah. Anyone know what that is? One of the few special sh Sabbaths that we have throughout the year, this is Shabbat of the cow. That's what that means. This is, there's a long story. You can look it up. Shabbat, P-A-R-A-H in English, transliterated. Shabbat Parah. You're sprinkling the ashes of the red heifer in order to purify yourself from any in interaction with death throughout the year so that you could go up to the temple and offer your Passover sacrifice. So Shabbat Parah comes just before Shabbat HaChodesh, which is the first Shabbat of the month of Nisan, which is when Passover's month takes place. Therefore, we have this reminder in the Jewish calendar for all of the people who are going to interact in the temple. Listen, it's Shabbat Parah. That means you need to get right in terms of your ritual purity. Didn't have anything to do with sin. It had to do with the fact that interacting with a corpse, interacting with death makes you unfit to come into the holy space of God. But it's an appropriate uh, Shabbat for the message that I have today, which, by the way, is way too long for any human being to hear in one sitting. Just want to give you that. I'm going to give you so much information and content today that I'm going to I'm, I'm praying that God will keep you awake and engaged. It's good, though. And I don't usually say that. But this is good. And mainly because they're, they're not my ideas. I'm just building off of existing Jewish ideas to help you in this particular time. But last week we did talk about sacrifices, right? We talked about the fact that God doesn't indeed hate sacrifices. He delights in them. We talked about the volumes of information we find in the Bible, the still relevant Old Testament, as it's sometimes uh, mistakenly called, the Hebrew Scriptures, about building the tabernacle, dressing the priest, the, their order and function. Seven chapters in Leviticus about how to conduct the sacrificial service with literal details of burning, what to eat, what to take out of the camp, what to do with the insides of the animals, sprinkling blood, keeping fires burning. I mean, all kinds of detail. And then in this week's Torah portion, it's called Shmini 8. On the eighth day, we get into the consecration of the priesthood. Aaron and his sons, who are going to be responsible for doing all of this work. And in it, the inauguration of the priesthood and the sacrificial system, Aaron sacrifices a goat, a calf, a lamb, an ox, and a grain offering. And do you know what God does when he does that? He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get disappointed. He doesn't say, Aaron, why are you doing this silly thing? Here's what the Torah says God did. Fire came out from in front of Hashem and consumed the burnt offering and the fats on the altar. God's glory appeared to all the people and they shouted and fell on their faces. God delighted in the sacrifices, and the people did too, because they understood what it meant. God was involved. This week, also in this Torah portion, we meet the very unfortunate end of Nadav and Avihu. Who are Nadav and Avihu? Aaron's sons, right? And what did they do? They brought what is known as strange fire. A better word would be unauthorized fire. They brought into the holy place... That something that departed from the, 
from the system that God had prescribed for how to conduct sacrifices. And you know what God does? Fire came out from in front of Hashem and consumed them, and they died in front of Hashem. That very same fire that revealed his glory also consumed Nadav and Avihu for bringing strange fire. They then knew how serious God was about the sacrificial system, and so did the people. So it's all the more ironic and incorrect to imagine that at some point later, since God had all this information, and this is just summarizing last week, that God had all of this going on and his glory and all this, and then poof, one day Jesus comes and he says, ah, big mistake, forget it, don't have anything to do with that, I was just kidding. That can't be. God is not schizophrenic. He's not, he's not changing his mind on a whim. That was the old false pagan gods. But what we learn with Nadav and Avihu, God has a system. And he doesn't change the system either. And that's really important to note. Because we don't like something or because we can't connect to something or we think there's a better way, it doesn't mean we get to change it. God doesn't agree with the idea that we change the things he establishes. Good intentions were not enough to merit changing God's system. Okay? So some commentaries argue that Nadav and Avihu, they were just, they were supernaturally, they were supercharged. They were so excited about the priesthood that they just wanted to bring something unique and awesome in to the space and be with God. So it wasn't that they were, they were, they were rebellious. They just were so caught up in the moment. But notice something very important. And Richard Friedman, a Torah scholar, says this. That the text that we're reading this week doesn't deal with their motives because that's not the issue. It didn't matter why they did it. Their motives were not the issue. In the realm of the ritual, they have failed to observe a boundary, so their fate is settled. Listen to this. Intention does not matter. Okay? Now I want you to hear that. God established the rules, and not because he's angry but because he's God. And so we, we see him delighting in the sacrifices. He commands them. He showed up in glory, and he will again. Read Exodus 40 through 48 if you need some additional confirmation. But God has established the rules for the system, and no matter what the intention was, the priest prepares the sacrifice, and in the words of the Mandalorian, this is the way. God set up the system, the staff, and the service. And as a general rule, ritual trumps intention. That's not to say that corrupt priests and corrupt priest hearts are not called out and punished and different things like that. But my point with ritual trumps intention is this. If a layperson enters the tent of meeting, they die. If Aaron's sons bring strange fire, they die. If Uzzah touches the ark as it's riding down the back of an oxen because he thinks it's going to fall off, he dies. He doesn't have the authorization. Intention doesn't matter in this case. You with me? We're going to have a lot of animal metaphors. Have I beaten that horse to death? <laughs> and then there's you. 
And intention is everything. Today we have to reconcile those difficult words of the prophets that we talked about last week. And you remember them. Isaiah 1 saying, what are your many sacrifices? Incense is an abomination to me. Hosea says, I desire loyalty rather than sacrifice. Amos says, if you offer me burnt offerings, I won't accept them. I'll pay no heed. Psalm 50, were I hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For mine is the world and all it holds. Do I eat the flesh of bulls and drink the blood of goats? So there's a difficulty. God delights or God does not delight. I just said God's not schizophrenic and neither are the prophets. They know what they're talking about. Do you know what they're talking about? Time and again, we read this prophetic rebuke. But listen, God said, do it. We just talked about the ritual and doing it the right way and quoting from a Rabbi Sachs commentary. Here, all of these people are bringing these offerings. They're being obedient. And they're, they're being criticized not for disobeying God's law, but for obeying it. Sacrifices were commanded. Their offering was a sacred act performed in a holy place. So why did the prophets get angry? What distressed them to their core was the idea that you could serve God and at the same time act disdainfully, cruelly, unjustly, insensitively, or callously toward other people. So long as I'm good with God, that's all that matters. This is, the, this, is the, this is the thing that made the prophets so, so angry. And if you think that that kind of system is going to work, where you just show up and go through the motions, you don't understand God in any way, and you don't understand the Torah in any way. And that's what they were saying. Wrongs righted by sacrifice do not excuse other wrongs. Intention and mindset were essential for the one bringing the sacrifice. Do you see the difference in what I just said? <coughs> to imagine that God ever intended the sacrificial system with bulls, goats, rams, and lambs to be some kind of sterile, barbaric, tit-for-tat bartering system is wrong. It's incorrect. That is what most people actually think it was. That they, you're bringing this animal and you're bartering for your way into heaven. That is wrong. But that is, this is what the prophets were saying. You don't get to rely on ritual. You don't get to say, I follow the rules, all is good. And here's a big, huge problem in the way that people understand religion. Religion is a much, much later consideration and invention of modern man. There was no such thing as religion in the time of Yeshua. You didn't separate what you did for God and what you did for the world. You didn't have your occupation and everything was tied up in God. Even in the pagan religions, everything was tied up in the gods. You made the gods angry, your city burned to the ground. You got sick, something. Everything was tied up. There was no way to live God stuff and life stuff. It didn't work that way. 
religion, separation of church and state, and all of this, these buildings we come to, and for one day we're holy, and then the rest of the time we're giving it our best, but hey, what's up? That didn't happen. <coughs> religion is something different. But the idea of serving God, loving God through ritual, and then equally serving man and loving him through intention is it. There is a single word to describe what the prophets could have used to describe this. You ready for it? It's a very familiar word if you've been around non-religious people for very long. What is the favorite criticism of religious people? You are such a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. You, you show up and you do your prayer thing and you sit in your chair and you dress up and you dress your kids real nice and you go to your community and pray and sing songs. You don't watch bad movies. You give to charity and yet you're a jerk. You're full of animosity. You're not loving. You judge. You hate. You treat people like crap. And guess what? That's often an excuse by people who don't want to have anything about their life called into question. You hypocrite, man. It's true. Most of the time people use it. But sadly, too often, they're right. The way that people act here is very different than the way they act out there. And that is what hypocrisy is. That's it. And that's the same thing that the prophets were saying. And amazingly, in some way, that's the same thing our master, our teacher, our rabbi was telling us. Remember when he said, if you're at the altar and you're bringing your what? All the translations say gift, your offering, your, your sacrifice. Jesus Christ saying, if you're bringing your sacrifice and you remember that someone has something against you, go and be reconciled and then come back. Big things in there. First of all, Jesus talking about bringing a sacrifice. This can't be. It is. He said it. But the more important lesson is intention there trumps ritual. Nowhere does he suggest that the sacrifices don't matter. I read you this quote last week from Sachs. The thought that if I bring a sacrifice to God, he'll overlook my other faults. In effect, the idea that I can bribe the judge of the earth turns a sacred act into a pagan one. It turns religious worship from a way to the right and the good into a way of easing the conscience of those who practice the wrong and the bad. And that says it all. And here's a thing. This is, this is hard truth alert. You ready? Before anyone says, yeah, those silly Israelites. Silly. People do this with Jesus all the time. The same sort of thing. And Jews are very, very aware of it. It's also called hypocrisy. Someone claims, I got the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Yeshua. Blood becomes covering. They said the magic prayer. They followed the rule and the ritual. And now all is well. The act is done. I've brought my offering. And here's the question. Did you mean it? Did you actually mean it when you walk away from the altar and you go out there? Does your life reflect something that, me, that, that represents that? 
more than saying a prayer as some ritualistic means of salvation and getting what you want from God. It's a transformative thing, and your intention matters. Well, I repented. I said, forgive me for my sins, and that I was sorry. I get it. And then what's it look like after that for you? What does it look like? Did you mean it? Do you go through the motions? Yeshua's teachings echo the prophet's critique. It's, it's, it's treat people good. And Jews for centuries have noted, wow, all of these Christians, they place their faith in the sacrifice of Yeshua for personal salvation, but they're killing mercilessly in his name, including Jews. That's hypocrisy at worst. I mean, a contradiction, certainly. All right. So that's one point. I have seven more. Just kidding. That's, that's one point. I want you to understand that sacrifice is important. God appreciates it. It needs to be done in a particular way. When it comes to you, you don't get to just show up and do something and walk away and continue to treat people like animal metaphor, dog mess. Okay? But, 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 we are honestly, and I recognize this, we're reading through the book of Leviticus. It's about animal sacrifices and the graphic detail and the organs and, you know, question, what are we supposed to do with that in 2022? We don't have a temple, first of all. There's no altar. There's no animal sacrifices. So we have a Shabbat of the cow. What's that supposed to mean? What do we do with it? Well, I'm going to tie point one to point two. With my favorite sacrifice analogy of recent history. It's not really recent. It goes back to the 17th and 18th century. The founder of the Lubavitch movement, a guy named Schnur Zalman. He's called the Alter Rebbe, which means like the old Rebbe, which means he was wise. But he came up with something. It's been developed by many rabbis since, and I'm one more rabbi developing it. It's about keeping your intention focused, and it applies today, and will connect us to hypocrisy, to being a disciple of Yeshua, to um, sacrifice and ritual and all these things. But sometimes we have to look behind, beyond the plain meaning, and that's what I said. That's why many, many more esoteric Jewish writings have so much to say about the sacrifice, because on the surface, they're pretty difficult to really understand. There is certainly this very obvious act of confession, putting your hand on the animal and this transference, okay? That's, that's a part of sacrifice, transference. But it's a little bit like, it still has a little bit of that bloodthirsty, God-like, angry kind of thing. I'm going to put all my sins right here and then I'm going to watch this thing get slaughtered and burnt up and God's going to be happy about it. Okay, there is some transference component. There's no doubt about that. But I think there's much, much more. And, and the, the, the answer, why animal sacrifice? It's a pretty gruff and coarse response, but I'll give it to you. You ready? Why animal sacrifice? You are the animal. 
at least a part of you. The opening chapter of Leviticus, in Leviticus 1, chapter 2, actually, has this to say. It says, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When one of you offers a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, we need a little bit of, little bit of Hebrew here. When one of you offers a sacrifice to the Lord. Here's the, here's the Hebrew, transliterated for you. Adam mikim ki When one of you offers a sacrifice. However... That's what we would think it would say, but here's what the Torah actually says. It says, Adam ki yakriv mikem. When one offers a sacrifice of you. Okay? Do we have those side by side? There you go. On the top is what regular Hebrew grammar would tell us we're looking at. Adam mikem ki yakriv. But that's not what the Hebrew says. It's rewritten to say, Adam ki yakriv mikem. Not when one of you offers a sacrifice, but when one offers a sacrifice of you. And the Alter Rebbe had this to say. When you approach Hashem, when you draw near Beyond the literal animal offering, according to the rules, the essence of sacrifice, said Rabbi Zalman, is what we offer of ourselves, of you, of your nature, of your animal side. Now listen, we bring our energies, our thoughts, our emotions, but the physical form of sacrifice, an animal that's put on the altar, it's only an external manifestation of the inner act of intention. What is that inner act that you're participating in? What are you doing? We're giving something, a sacrifice, mikem, of ourselves to God. What do we offer? You are offering up your animal desires. And here's where it gets a little uncomfortable for people. We just discussed it two weeks ago about the good inclination, the bad inclination, the yetzer hatov, the good nature, the yetzer hara, the evil inclination or the animal instinct that's within all of us. And a lot of people get freaked out by that. I don't know why. It makes absolute and total sense. God gave you a nefesh and he gave you a neshama. Every animal has a nefesh. They have a living being component. And, but the neshama... Chris, that's what he gave you when he blew in the breath of himself into Adam. So there's a part of the divine that resides within you, and there's also the part of the natural world that drives you to eat, drink, procreate, earn a living, do all this other kind of stuff. Good and natural, good and evil, good and, and, and animal, divine and animal within you. And that part of you that is animal is subject to excess. We talked about Yeshua. One of the things that he gave us when he restored justice was the ability to stand stronger with the Holy Spirit and his, his gift of forgiveness to be able to stand stronger against the enemy that's constantly tempting 
that natural, that animal side of you, to take the good things, food, drink, intercourse, whatever, and make it more than what you need. To live a life of excess. That's what the animal instinct does because it is simply, it is all about instinct. Now there's a reason why we have animal descriptions in life. You know, a dog-eat-dog world. To weasel out of something. It's a jungle out there. It's the rat race. I mean, we have all of these animal metaphors. Why? Because that's exactly how the world works. Like animals. Dog eat dog. That's what your animal side does. You don't care who loses. You just want to win. You want the most. You want everything. And you say, well, that is definitely not me. I know it's not you because you're not only animal. You also have a divine gift, divine breath within you. But left to our own devices with no intention and devotion to our better nature, we are animals. And that sounds gross and rough and, well, that's not very Christian. I know it's not Christian. It's Jewish. And it's, Paul had no problem with it. Flesh and spirit, if that makes people more comfortable. But contrary to what Chuck Darwin and the boys would tell you, we have this God-given component. We're not King Kong's grandsons. Okay? We have a God-given component capable of being much, much more than that. And the greatest way to rise above your animal instinct is to bring the Lord of the universe those things about our nature that lead us to live as animals. Caring only about your own survival, the survival of your young, the survival of your bank account, the survival of whatever. And that is to say, as Leviticus does in the opening verse, when you are willing to bring a sacrifice of you. Rabbi Gordon brings such a rich example. We talk about blood and guts in Leviticus, right? We imagine that the blood of the animal given on the altar, we equate that blood with our own passions. Our own passions. You know, you made me so angry, my blood boiled. Or you embarrass somebody and the blood all rushes to their head and you, they turn red. Blood is like your, your human passion. Many more examples. It represents who we, who we are when we're trying to deal with these emotions and passions. And we have to be intentional. Confessing first off, yeah, we're flesh. Our animal has caused us to fail in that. And we must lay that upon the altar. Secondly, fats. That's weird. Put the fats on the altar and, and, and burn them up? What does that have to do with me? Your fats are your desire for pleasure. Your desire to excess. Your desire to lose sight of the good which is within you. Our human driving us to pursue too much of a good thing, food, drink, whatever, fat. When you bring a sacrifice of you before God, you're laying your blood and fat before Hashem.
our animal nature, our flesh can be sheepish, yes? Easily led astray, unwilling to stand up like a sheep without a shepherd. We follow our own passions and pursuits. At the same time, it can be quite bullheaded, bullish, charging in, having no regard for people's feelings, taking control, dominating. We have all of these things. So if you don't like the animal metaphor, sorry, it's really good. <laughs> we're sheep and we're full of bull. Running over others to get what we want. So yeah, you know, in the sacrificial system, even, even today we can make this, con this connection. That when we choose to live for God and for others, when we bring our own animal before him, and that interesting grammar of the Torah reminds us, every little detail has been paid attention to by Judaism studying the Torah for 3,500 years. The switching of two words. You pull a lesson like this out of switching of two words? But it's for you right now, today, 2022, blood and guts, fat, blood on the, on the altar. What are you bringing of you? Every day. Every day. We read the sacrificial, we read the sacrifice, some reference to it in the Siddur every single day. So that we can think back to them bringing the morning and evening offering. Maybe. That was a good thing too. But right now, it's a good thing for you to sacrifice of you. You with me? Now remember the prophet's critique. You're going through the motions. You're offering, your offerings are an abomination. But then Amos went on to say, if you offer me burnt offerings or your meal offerings, I won't accept them. I'll pay no heed to your gifts or fasting or fatlings. But let justice well up like water, righteousness like a never-ending stream. Hosea said, for I desire goodness, not sacrifice. It doesn't mean to the exclusion. It means that there's the ritual process of sacrifice, which is more importantly weighed against your intention and what you're doing it for. But it's interesting to note this, that, you know... What happens once you, once you bring and you, and you say, all right, here's my intention, I'm giving this, take this. Somebody else does the really, really nasty, dirty work. Did you know that? Think about it. You put your hands on this animal and you have this intention and confession and then what happens? You don't have to get into the blood and guts and you don't have to do all that. Who does it? The priests, they take over for you. How incredibly powerful is that metaphor? Who is your high priest? Who did the nasty work? You had the easy part. All you had to do was intend to come with a genuine intention of repentance and asking that he would do the dirty work for you. And he did. And so all the more reason that every single day of your life going forward, you never forget the power of that sacrifice and that mediation and what he's given you. And why you bring from you to the altar. 
with pure intention. Makes sense, right? Man, you can get a lot out of an animal. You can get a lot out of a book like Leviticus. You really can. Maybe Jews are smart to teach their children with it first. And I'm going to end. You take those parts of me, Yeshua, that need to be sacrificed. And he did, and he does. And, and you're serious about your intentions, you know, and since that, God, God willing, you've never been the same. But the truth is, you still struggle. You still struggle. I do. I am no, I am no beacon of goodness. We all still struggle because guess what? You're alive. And you still have within you the desire to do good and the desire to be not so good. And that's the animal we're battling. Sheepish, bullish, downright pig-headed, and that's really bad because that's not kosher. <laughs> that's totally not kosher. So you need to be reminded that there's this part of you inside that's capable of being all these things, and we battle that. But the fact that you're willing to have the battle, the fact that every day of your life you're willing to stand before God and say, what can I bring of me to you that you'll burn away? That's intense, babe. you know, that's intense. Think about that when you go before God in the morning. What am I giving you that you're going to burn away? It sort of changes prayer from, you know, the tax season's coming up, and I could really use a favor here, God. But I want you to keep this in mind. As you go through Leviticus, now and forever, actually, that the message is loud and clear. God delights in sacrifice when it's done correctly. That is with intention and with ritual. Both of those matter. And those, those ritual sacrifices, to use that sort of loosely, are the ones that are on his altar. They're in the temple. They're by the priests. And we're not offering those today. But you know, remember what I'm telling you, that when your nature pops up, when you hear, it's Shabbat Parah, right? The, the, the sound, listen to it. Here, this is memorable. If you get nothing out of anything else I said today, which I hope you do. When you're thinking thoughts or taking an action step to do something that you know is not good, listen for it. Because it's happening. Probably not quite that clearly. But I want you to think about it. I want you to think about, you know, I was, I was driving into services this morning. I said I'd end, but I won't. <laughs> I was, it was right up the road on the way to synagogue. I've got my nice blazer on and my favorite cowboy boots. And there's a guy stopped right in the middle of the road at a light with his flashers on, just stopped, standing outside of his car, 
in an intersection with this, like, the, the image is obvious. And I'm driving by and I'm seeing everybody else drive by and they're staring at him. It's a black guy. He was like, uh, he was younger. I don't know. He, he just, I can't describe his personality. I, I, I can't describe what I perceived from what was going on. But I do know that every person that drove by gave him a dirty look and he gave them one back. That feeling of like, what do you expect me to do? My car's broken down. I don't have anything to do. And so you know what I did? I drove right on by. Because I had to get to services. I mean, I got my favorite cowboy boots on. And man, come on. Meh. <laughs> That's selfish, man. Nobody's going to help this guy. So I turned around inconveniently and went and parked and found, and I walked out, and I yelled at him from across the way, and he didn't hear me, so I walked closer, and I yelled at him. He was in his car. I said, hey, man, like, we're getting ready to fight. I was like, you need some help? He said, yeah, I do. So we pushed his car. I want you to get this image. There's this young black guy, you know, in like his track suit thing, and, and me, J Shabbat, Jew, pushing down the middle of the road in a blazer with a yarmulke and cowboy hats, you know, <laughs> pushing this car, and everybody's still driving by going, and I'm going... But the thing is, when I, when I drove away, and I asked God if I could, not in a weird way, I just, I floated this idea to God. Can I say this today? Because what it really sounds like is that I'm trying to pump myself up. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is, look for those opportunities. That was a sacrifice. It was one that I really didn't want to make. But it was so easy. And so helpful. There always around ways for you to put those parts of you on the altar that just need to be burned up. Yeah? Shabbat Shalom.